Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Percussion Pedagogy Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Dobbs, and thank you for tuning in. This episode is a continuation of our Teaching Through COVID-19 series. And if you haven't checked out our other episodes, please make sure to do so after this one. They are filled with great information, encouraging stories, and you might even laugh a little bit. That's always nice. Thanks for listening, and be sure to head over to our website, hosted at TommyDobbsPercussion.com, for videos, updates, and more. Our next guest is Jamie Esposito. I have met very few people that have made me laugh and smile like they do, especially during an interview and a pandemic. As you will hear, their episode is exciting, informative, and a lot of fun. Jamie is a percussion specialist at LD Bell High School in Texas, a performer and co-founder of the Spectrum Ensemble, an ensemble dedicated to the promotion of LGBTQ composers and performers, and a powerful voice and advocate for marginalized members of the music community. Most importantly, Jamie is fun, uplifting, and filled with energy. I'm excited for you to hear what they had to say, and it's now time for me to be quiet and let the professional do the talking. Being so forward and open about your personal life, how's how's it affected your teaching and your playing? It's been great being a gay teacher, like in general. And I think for a lot of reasons. One, I'm most of the time the first gay person or the only gay person these people will meet. And I think I'm pretty cool and pretty good at what I do. So now I'm giving them the opinion that gay people, like if you're only going off the one person you meet, gay people are pretty cool and pretty good at what they do. And I'm happy to be that like one person they're going to meet. And it's like a lot of kids I'm in front of. In the fall or like last year, I was in front of 60 kids a week. Top of that, I would teach sectionals between six to 10 kids at three different schools. So you could say I'm in front of like 80 kids a week. And then because I'm there so much, I had like little clarinet players who were obviously gay being so excited to say hi to me. Hmm. You know what I mean? Just because I'm that people, yeah, of like someone they can look up to that they don't see. That's, that's awesome. That's been cool. And I have had um, opportunities to like flex. Like one time, my boy, this, this student, he came in, dope purple shoes. And I was like, buddy, I love your shoes. They're so cool. They're so purple. He's like, these are red and blue. I was like, okay, but they like mix together and that makes purple. So I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and so then it was like three weeks. He's a middle schooler. He was, what was he, seventh grade? So it was like three weeks, dope shoes, dope shoes, dope shoes. All of a sudden, shoes are gone. Oh. I was like, what happened to your shoes, bud? Like, did they get dirty or these new? He's like, no, I had these. And he was like, my dad, my stepdad and brother told me they were gay. So I don't think that. I was like, oh. So I immediately texted his mother. And I was like, hey, just heads up. Says he's not going to wear these shoes anymore because they're gay. And so immediate, and I'm not mad. I'm not mad that like someone used gay derogatorily. That's fine. I don't care about that. It's the, the steps that will happen because this happened. So like, because, and I explained this to the mom, because for her first text was back was, I'm so sorry. We have so many gay friends. We, we don't mean anything by it, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, no, 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 for sure. I'm not upset. What upsets me now 
is um, your son thinks it's appropriate to use the words that's gay to describe something. And now he will, he will say yeah. this to one of his friends and he will accidentally say this in front of a gay kid. And why does that kid feel safe to come out now? Uh, yeah. That was like my explanation. Cause I don't care. I used to say stuff was gay. You know what I mean? In the gay community when that was, in like when we were in school and like that's so gay gay kids were also saying that you know what i mean it was I just part of the culture and it doesn't upset me and no you shouldn't do it because you shouldn't mean gay is stupid but it's further than that because there's a whole younger generation who isn't who we can keep from this you know what i mean yeah. like we don't have to keep doing those stereotypes keep saying stuff like that you know no it's time to actually change it and i'll do it even if someone says that's so gay i'll be like are you talking about me <laughs> are you saying it's like me because i don't really understand the context speaking of, like on the teacher realm uh what, what were you up to during the pandemic like when it hit you guys and you went online and things like that um what, what were you doing i was very lucky in the fact that um i've kind of learned so i'm lucky that i have so many students and i realize that's a rarity um, and I've tried to think what I do differently that helps me keep students more or less. And one thing, and this is kind of, it goes into the pandemic. I'm very good, especially when kids are beginners, because I've been at my same district now for three years, maybe oh, four yeah. years. And um, when kids are beginners, if they're doing very well, or if they're falling behind, or if they're literally just not practicing, I like keeping the parents informed. Just like, hey, heads up, it's not going to be fun for him anymore because he is falling behind, and it's not because he's bad, it's because he's lazy. Stuff like that is usually the conversation. So then parents get to know me, and by year three, like, the students are more communicating with me, but th they know who I am. They know what I'm about. So as soon as the pandemic hit, I got texts from parents saying, we want to make sure you're taken care of. Can we start online lessons with you? One mom even started paying me $80 a month just because, like, yeah, it was like very, very great. I did lose students. I went from like 60 to, <clears throat> at the beginning of the pandemic, I was at 40. Hmm. But That's now I'm like less than 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really good. It made me not stress, which was great. So I maintained an online studio of about 40. And then because it was right around the time we were supposed to do solo ensemble contests, I did an online solo contest. I saw that, um, yeah. Yeah, which was super cute and gave uh, a chance for the kids to just learn their music. Because I've also learned with students, if you don't know, if there's no reason to practice, they will not. So most kids get a lot better when you force them to perform. And that happened with quite a few kids where, like, they really, the two weeks before, man, they got in gear. Yeah. So when you did the online, um, like, solo and ensemble, how did that work? Did they, like, how did that go? It was a disaster, but it was fine because I like had my little like steel drum that I was like putting tunes in the middle. Um, it was like, I gave everyone a time and it was about an hour and a half. And I said, please call in during this time on Zoom and then I'll let you in the waiting room and you can play when it's your turn. Uh, generally, oh. there weren't too many delays. There were like two performances we couldn't even hear, but they didn't care. Um, and it was the Zoom quality type of thing. Uh, but in general, that worked, except for a couple kids who either lost the Zoom link or forgot to do the Zoom link. And then I just had them FaceTime me because my screen was shared anyway. Ah, uh, so gotcha. called in and I was like texting while I was doing all of it. Knowing that you did that, um, that sort of technology, was that ideal for you? Or what would you change, you know, when we have to go back online? Or uh, if we go back online? I think something important based on, because I've noticed, like, for online teaching has been very beneficial for some students. Hmm. Who are my students who, like, 
one was like really bad in his class and he was shamed by his compadres mm. he's like doing it he can read all versions of 16th notes now going going into ninth you know what i mean like one yeah. hand and uh he's counting them out loud one e uh isn't getting him so i'm really excited about that and there was another student too who like not being around people him just practicing and focusing and not having to worry about it he got so like he might be one of the best beginners now and he hasn't even been around his friends. And the kids that used to be better have no idea that this kid just caught them. All right. That's cool. But I would say um, things that are hard is the angles. Okay. I would really like if I could have an overhead shot, like. Like multi-cameras kind of thing? Yeah. Like that would be something I would need to make sure that the quality of teaching. Because I wouldn't say my quality of teaching is as good as when it was in person. Because I can't grab your hand and show you physically how your arms need to be moving. For sure. Uh, but one thing that is helpful, like, I can be like, look at my fingers here. This needs to say here. And, like, that's pretty helpful because they can visually see huge in front of their face. Absolutely. Happening. But I would say making sure everyone knows the correct Zoom buttons is something I need to make sure happens. And then <laughs> have to do, yeah, because some of my lessons I'm like, I think I heard you play that right, but let me just aggressively watch. I'm too lazy to tell them to change their settings. I'd rather just suffer for 25 minutes. <laughs> But yeah, multi-camera would be the biggest thing that I would like for any instrument, just to show them the different angles my hands are playing. So as a private teacher there, um, like all of us, um, what do you think our role is going to be like moving forward? Ooh, yes, well, this is actually something that I learned progressing into teaching. Like when I first moved here from Chicago, I came in with like, I'm gonna make all these kids so good play this De La Clues, play this large shit. And it's just like, what are you doing? And like, some of them could do it and some of sure. them got to be good, but it was more like dragging teeth than like, so from that I've learned, uh, if you want a kid to practice, you get them to like you. Mm. If they like you and they respect you, they don't want to embarrass themselves in front of you. So like, especially my bed and bread and butter I'm learning is middle school. I'm mm. very good at teaching middle school. That's a and hard age. Good for you. High energy. Yeah. Oh, I talk yeah. faster than them. I move faster than them. They can't keep up. If they want to get distracted, they physically do not have enough time. I love that. That's <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> so that's like, that's one thing. Um, having them just like constantly going, constantly going, because no one wants to listen at 10, 11, 12. Don't tell me anything. I don't want to hear you talk for 10 minutes. I want to move my hands. I want to drum. I want to drum. So mm -hmm. my goal with beginners is to like physically make them go as much as possible. In terms of our role as educators, so we do need to motivate, but mm -hmm. we also need to, unless you're at the college position, like my position right now where I'm in high school, the grand scheme of percussion for these kids' lives does not matter. And I like actively will remind them that if I'm screaming at them because they can't figure out how to make a drag, I'll be like real intense for about five minutes and be like, nope, no. And then I'll be like, hey, just a reminder, none of this matters. Okay, yeah. so don't get mad. Don't get mad. It doesn't, I say this all the time. We have a problem in the college institu institution of relating our self-worth to our musicianship. Oh, that is yeah say that and again that's that's solid yeah but, you know, if you're if you're not practicing it doesn't make you a shit person yeah it's not it just means you're lazy which still doesn't make you a bad person it just maybe means you shouldn't be in music because like it's so hard you have to stay proactive and be so 
so self-motivated post-college to have a career in music. Absolutely. No, I, I'm learning more about that right now, you know, because they train you in school. You're like, do the thing. and you academia, do the thing. Academia, academia. Yeah, but when you get out there, you're like, wait a second, I can be a person and like maybe actually talk about life or like maybe I can have a life, you know, like that. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> and then actually for me, you know, I'm discovering over the pandemic, like what that actually means. Like, what does it mean to like take a break and, and, and strip away your self-value from that instrument behind me, you know, like. Um, yeah. And that's that's excellent. So how how has that been received in the last three years when you're doing that? Are they are they on board? Are they like yeah? Oh good. yeah, kids are on board. And I've like I say it. I'm like half these kids therapists. Yeah. Like truly, because I'll start every lesson like, "How you doing? How's school going? Are you passing all your classes? Mm. What video games do you like playing?" That's another thing I've learned. Um, trying to make more video game analogies for these little baby boys is very <laughs> helpful. Like trying to do a paradiddle when they like can't figure it out or like trying to teach them how to stay with a metronome. I'm like, yo, bro, this is like you're gaming and you have to hit X every time this pops up. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. You know oh, what I that's mean? Hip. Yeah, 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 yeah. So trying to find these little analogies to have them connect with. And I do try, um, like I'm high energy the first three lessons, then I'm pretty like for beginners. I start really happy at every beginning year. I give them the benefit of the doubt. And then by the time they aren't practicing, I get pretty mean. Um, but usually there's something like even if they're not practicing, well, the beginners get better no matter what, because they're in class every day drumming with a teacher. Yeah. So that's pretty great. It's like the second band kids, the like they didn't make the top band. Those are the kids that are harder to try to motivate. But yeah, so our role as musicians right now, or as educators, honestly, is to make sure our students are fine during this process. Just like, mentally. Who, yeah, like who cares? And I don't, it's hard to say it again at the college level, because if they're trying to make careers of performing, you have to be performing still. You have to. I don't know. I go, I go both ways on this statement. Um, it's hard for me to imagine a world where you can create a student who's better than you. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah, I like, how, at least on, on the intellectual level, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I have kids in the drumline little world whose chops are so much better than mine. So much better than mine. Like, if you can't communicate how to be musical past a certain point, how will your students be able to become musical past a certain point? So as an educator, I think it's like very important. And again, I'm talking at the college level because you're gonna go on then and educate. It's very important that you try to maximize how good of a player you can be. So then you can pass it down. If you're not continuously trying to fix your own problems, how will you help children fix their problems then? What are the final words that you can say to someone who's entering this fall semester and basically is not excited about it. What's, what's something you can say to get them excited? Uh, your emotional and mental health are the most important thing during a pandemic. Uh, like that comes first to make sure that you're fine. So make sure you're fine. Make sure you're sleeping enough. Make sure you're eating the correct amounts of food. Please wear a freaking mask if you have to go anywhere where they're making you go in person because this isn't a joke anymore and little kids are absolutely about to start dying if they don't mm. figure this out yeah. um i'm not a medical professional or science at all but my opinion based on what i've read is that um but i would say also music is supposed to be fun at its core why are we doing it because we like it that's why we started and if you don't like it anymore, you need to stop and think why. And it doesn't mean you have to quit, 
but what aspects of it are not fun anymore? Is it the practicing? If you hate practicing, that might be a sign that maybe you shouldn't keep doing music. But that's like the only one I would say. If you like practicing, if you can get to a practice room, but there's something about it that's making you hate it, think about why, because it shouldn't be like that. Music's always supposed to be fun. I think we also spend too much time thinking music's for us mm. when it's not. Music is for like our audience and like, how can you make your audience feel good, especially right now? And like, no offense, I don't think like con variations is gonna make your audience feel good right now. You know what I mean? No. So like, what kind of music can we give to people, to our audiences that are enjoyable, that we wanna listen to, and that aren't just specifically about growth as a, like a technical growth as a musician? The Percussion Pedagogy Podcast is engineered and edited by me, Tommy Dobbs. The music you hear was created by my good friend, Ryan Robinson. Our logo and all graphic design work was created by Janelle Ann. And finally, this podcast is a product of Hindex Productions. That means every episode has to be approved by these two lovely Yorkies right here. So, what do you think, fellas?